Hey, it's Steve Orlando, writer of Kill a Man, Commanders in Crisis, upcoming from Imagine this fall. You're listening to Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or use the voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Join the cult of the Spoilerverse! Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Steve Orlando, isn't it? It is. It is. And it was supposed to be Steve Orlando and Philip Kennedy Johnson, but one of those did not show up to the call. And uh, we'll have to talk with him later. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I'm only, I'm only calling him out because he's been on the show before and Philip was amazing. And it's awesome. He's a really nice show. guy. And, uh, you know, he actually called me that night. Yeah. And apologized for missing the interview and, and, you know, told me what was going on. And it was like, no, the one thing with our (laughs) podcast is we're really, really easygoing. You know what I mean? It's like, if you can make it great, if you can't make it, we can reschedule. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, or if you decided that you just don't want to do it, then that's okay too. Maybe you'll give us a chance later in, later in life. I mean, if you don't want to do it, we might cry a little bit. We are fragile, but we'll get over it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we might cry just a little bit. It, you know, if you don't want to come on, and, and that's fine. Unless you tell us it's us, then it'll just ruin our life forever. <laughs> that's right. Or if you tell us you're going to come on, and then you email us every day for a week and a half, saying the next day, the next day, the next day, and then you just never show up, that'll 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 scar us for life. We'll never, we'll never, we'll never forgive you. Unless you actually do come on. Then we won't Your name you. might become a scenario that we use from then on out. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here and for any you- of that, because... Steve Orlando came on and he was <laughs> yeah. amazing. He's got a new book coming out called Kill a Man. Um, yep. I would highly suggest reading the synopsis and going over it because uh, I don't want to give it a disservice by not explaining it to the best of my abilities because it is, well, one, it's based off of, of true events. Right. And then two, Steve weaves such a great narrative um, you would be doing yourself a disservice by not checking it out. Yeah, and he gives he gives a nice synopsis of what the book's about too in the interview, which is really good. Well, he goes into but the history the and everything. Fantastic, about it, so it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You learn you learn a lot about the history of this book in this interview, which is good stuff. Yep. And uh, AfterShock is the company that's uh, publishing it for him. Which man, they they put out some cool shit. Oh my god, dude! Really? <laughs> AfterShock yeah, is yeah. just killing it all the time. It's like yeah. this is ridiculous. I love their stuff. Yeah, they do good. They do great stuff. Yeah. Well, all right. What do you say we just get into it? Yeah, let's do it. That was a weird getting into it. 
Yeah, why don't you why don't you do it again in your normal way? Oh, I just meant the whole thing of us being pausing back and forth. I was taking a drink of coffee, and why don't we listen to Steve Orlando in his own words? You guys ready? You ready? You ready, John? Yeah, let's do it. Yep, let's do it. All right, guys. Welcome back. And today it's super special. He is a, well, he is known for America. He's an American comic book writer. Work for Batman, his work on Martian Manhunter. He has been nominated for a Glad Media Award for his writings on Midnighter. Steve Orlando, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks, sir, folks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, this is great. You have, you got a new book coming out. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to be out in October. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So, come, uh, Kill a Man is a new book I'm doing with Aftershock. Yeah. And that is out. Man, I believe the. I actually have two books out in October. I have Kill a Man, and I'm launching an image book called Commanders in Crisis. And yeah. Commanders in Crisis is out the 14th. I believe Kill a Man is out the week before, right before National Coming Out Day. So it's almost like we planned it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tell us the synopsis of Kill a Man. I've read the the details from Aftershock, but. What is it about? How did you come up with this? And where did the inspiration come from? Uh, Kill a Man is about, a, is about two men, two UFC fighters. I should say mixed martial arts fighters for copyright reasons. They fight in the EFC. But it's about two combat sports uh, athletes, one of whom in the 1990s when MMA was just blooming was one of the only outfighters. And he gets called a slur in the ring. He loses it accidentally kills oh, the guy wow. that he's fighting in the ring. And we flash forward then to 20 years later, and now the son of that dude who was killed in the ring uh, is like the Conor McGregor of the moment. He's yeah. hot shit. He's a big talker. He's up and coming. He's basically stolen Ric Flair's gimmick. And the day before his title shot, he gets catfished and outed at his presser. Oh, he wow. loses everything. He loses his whole... his his his. His shot is in question, his entourage goes away, his family abandons him. How could they not? After all, one of those types of people killed his dad and broke yeah. his family up. So how dare he? And so the only person this fighter, James Belly, has to turn to to retake his title shot is Xavier Maine, the man that killed his father. And so this book is about their journey, training, retraining, and figuring out what the fuck it means to have the only person in your life that actually cares about you be the guy that murdered your father in the ring. Right, right. This is inspired by true events, correct? Well, yes. The Broadly, yeah. the, the inspiration for the Xavier Main character is Emil Griffith, who's a boxer, a bisexual boxer in the 60s, who had this exact scenario happen. Wow. He was fighting this other guy. Slur started to fly, and he either hit him just right or he lost it, kills the guy in the ring. And he's become lionized by the queer community, and in many ways, rightfully, we all like to have the catharsis of, oh, I just wish I could punch that motherfucker in the face right. uh, sometimes. But then he's, he's written books, he's co-written books, and at the time, and up until his passing a couple years ago, revealed that it's, as you might imagine, killing a person is not as cut and dry and, and easy as it seems. So he was haunted by it. So we wanted yeah, I'm to do sure. a book. They both talked about that and, and, and not just the righteous anger, but the regret and, and the backwash of doing uh, committing an act like that, whether or not you were in the right, quote unquote, and also to create as much tension as possible. So this is both uh, Phil and I stepping into the plate and doing our Rocky type story. Yeah. I love things love like Rocky. Stuff. 
we love things like the fighter. We love things like Creed. We love things like Heart, which is actually a mixed martial arts book, an image from, man, a while back. The thing that, you know, struck us with something like Creed, uh, which is a heavy inspiration for this from a character and emotional standpoint, even yeah. though this is about martial arts, is in the 70s, Rocky being blue collar, being, being Italian, not going to college, he was the underdog. And he was someone society said, well, you don't get to achieve. You don't get to win. And when we updated that in Creed in 2015, it was like, oh, now communities of color get someone to stand up for them and say, no, you can go the distance. The world tells you that it's going to be shitty and hard and you don't get to win. But here's something that tells you you can win and you can be a champion. So we wanted to do that for a queer lead. It's a story I wish I'd seen when I was 10 or 12 or pick your age when I was younger. Right. I'm old as fuck now, but back in the day, I could have used some inspiration. <laughs> and so we want it to be just like as raw, authentic, and real as possible. And that, by the way, is why I'm co-writing with Phil. And also, I'm working with Alec Morgan on the art. Alec worked me on Midnighter. He practices mixed martial arts. Phil practices mixed martial arts. I'm a huge coward, but my what I bring to the table is my character work my story crafts and the fact that I've lived the other side of the character's life. I've lived the coming out experience. I've yeah. lived examining my own like internalized homophobia and, and toxicity. I've lived working through that. Look, we just want to tell the best damn story we could as possible. We hope that it connects with queer audiences. We hope that it co connects with mixed martial arts audiences. And so far it has. We did probably one of the only comics writers that did mixed martial arts podcast promoting this book because they read it and said, yeah, like I didn't know what to expect getting into this, but it's just real as fuck when it comes to the combat sports side. And I didn't think I'd be rated, you know, rooting as a straight guy for a gay character, but I get it. Yeah. And like that, I couldn't, that, that's chef's kiss to me. If you don't know what to make of this story, but you give it a try and you uh, connect with it, for any number of reasons, that's our goal. Because with all these things, with any story we're writing, even something like Midnighter when I'm on Wonder Woman, we're, you want to be authentic. But look, these are stories about people. These are stories about humans. And the way you break barriers, the way you make connections is by taking uh, a character in a world that a reader thinks is unrelatable and putting that story forward and being like, no, actually, here's why it's relatable. Here's why this person who you think has nothing in common with you actually does. And so we're that's what things like this fight narrative can do. And every time we give this book to someone, that's what happens. And I couldn't be more excited about it. That's awesome. So it sounds like you got something in the book that almost anybody's going to have a relationship to. You have the big, the small versus big. You have a coming out story, which is great because I don't know. You tell me because as a straight guy, I never, when I read a book and it has a gay character in it, I guess I'm lucky because I grew up not worrying about it. You know what I mean? I, like, I, I never cared about it. I have I've had lots of friends and I've never had the thought of, should I, I'm supposed to hate this person because of this. I've had a lot of friends in my life that were like that I exercised as I got older because realizing the toxicity that it brings. Um, but how important is a book like this for somebody that may not have an understanding that we're gay or not, we're all just people. And going through a scary time of coming out and then losing everything because of it. And you guys are showing it in a real possible way and, and, and probably much more because it's not a token character. It's a character that is, it's a deeply part of his psyche and a part of his character development, which I don't think you get in a lot of mainstream comic books. You don't get that development of what each side of somebody happens 
Well, so, look, I think the, the thing is, I'm, I'm not here to shade anyone else, but mm-hmm. the, when I craft a story, when it comes to that has queer themes, like the important thing to me is that we are telling an authentic story. It, it's easy to become uh, pedantic. It's easy to become, to make it feel like we're talking down to people who aren't like us. Right. And look, like there's a lot of, we get shit on, any marginalized community gets shit on. Any marginalized community has plenty of justified anger. At the same time, Real, authentic stories are what build bridges and are what show people that they can relate. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this book, but the aim is just to tell the true story of this person in this world. And when you do that, and when it feels real, that's how you make those connections. I think if I set out I think if I set out to tell a story about how hard it is being in the closet, yeah. like rather than just having to tell a story about these characters, that's leading with an agenda. Right. You gotta lead with character. And I always leave uh, with I like character. That. Midnighter and agenda is a loaded word. I shouldn't say that, but that's leading from a craft standpoint. I should say that's leading with plot and not character. Yeah. And the fact is, you got to lead with character because uh, that. that's what people re- that's what people relate to. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then it happens. Like my, I'm very thankful for people who picked up Martian Manhunter, people who picked up Midnighter, and I'm thankful for the queer readership on both those books. But you know what? I have a lot of straight readers on those books too, who didn't know what to expect from Midnighter. Yeah. And. The key is that you just have to tell stories that that are, again, about well-rounded, full characters. Because I'm more than just a bisexual person. I'm more than just a a Jew. Like I'm I'm more than all those things. People are a collection of attributes. So when you are so focused in on one aspect of a character in any way, yeah, it becomes what you're saying, tokenism. And that's bad for the obvious reasons, but also those are not what real people are like. So then that propagates a further stereotype. That must be what actual queer people are like. That they're summed up just by their sexuality. And it's a whole fucking horse show. That <laughs> is, is horse uh, show. <laughs> that is, it, it's just not helpful. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say, and, and look, and, and, and my style of storytelling is only one style of storytelling. There are great books that talk about any type of the struggles of a community, whether it's queerness, any type of community in a vastly different way than I do. The important thing to me is that are they authentic? There's a difference between I don't relate to it because it's not my experience. Right. And it feels inauthentic. I guess the best example is just randomly, since we're talking about this, like Harley Quinn Breaking Glass. I love that book, uh, but the queer characters in that are nothing like me. And that's fine. They feel lived in, they feel real. Yeah. And if I was a bigger egotist than asshole, I'd be like, well, this doesn't fit my exact experience. So this representation <laughs> must be, must this be representation, false. It must be wrong. No, it's not wrong. They're just right. different people. And you would never, because guess what? There's as many kinds of queer person, as many times of black people, as many kinds of any person as right. there is people in the mainstream. So we just need to tell authentic stories. And that's the goal with things like Kill a Man. I'm doing a gay horror book at uh, Aftershock as well that I've hinted at. Nice. And it could not be more different. And yeah, like it's the goal is just to tell these well-rounded whole stories. Yeah. That's how you get those things across. And that's why, honestly, like, that's why Creed is such a big influence on me and all my work. Because you know what? As I said, I'm a huge fucking coward. I've been hit in the face three times in my life, and that's it. And I'm not a boxer. Yeah. Related to in that movie, even though it's nothing like boxing, like, he's got an easy life. He's he, he, he just coasts. He has this thing in him that he just has to do that no one else in his life understands. Yeah. And... And he has to, it is fighting, but he has to fight for it. He has to give up his privilege at his job. He has to give up, at first, his mother, his home, to move to Philadelphia. 
And I saw that and I was like, okay, this is about boxing, but it's really just about having this thing that you need to do. And as someone who took 20 years trying to break into comics, I started when I was 12 and I didn't break in until I was 29. Wow. I know what that's yeah. doing in my life. Everyone in my life told me to quit. My parents told me to quit. All my professors told me it wasn't a real job. There's not a person in my life that, hasn't told, that didn't tell me to quit. And much like him, I was like, cool, go fuck yourself. And that drive is relatable to me, even if I'm never going to get a boxing ring. I don't have to do that, but I have something. Yeah. To me, when a story is that authentic and that true, that's what happens. It speaks You're like, to you. Okay, I'm just invested in these characters, and even if I'm not living their exact life, uh, I can still relate and apply. Yeah. And, and that, to me, is what we should be doing. That's awesome. How much research went into the, the mixed martial arts aspects? Uh, my research was called Co-Writing with Phil Kennedy Johnson. Nice. So he was able uh, to no, just... I mean, to... Go ahead. I mean, I'm joking, but not. And, and I'm not trying to say, oh, Steve is bringing anything to this book. No, Steve brings a lifetime of researching the gay shit to this book. Yeah. But the point is, I'm a huge mixed martial arts fan, but I looked at this as an opportunity because this story was so important to me that, yeah, there are certain things that I know I... Have I'm like a four out of ten on, and like having never been in a mixed martial arts ring, that's one of them. And I brought Phil in because this is about telling the best story possible. We're good friends, and he knows this shit, and he does this shit. He was sending me a video of his five year old kid hitting the bag last night. Like yeah. he, like he lives it. So honestly, it sounds like a cop out for me to say, oh, that's what Phil's here for. But that's also literally what collaboration is. Yep. It's knowing and trusting your co-creators to do what they do fucking best. Yeah, we broke the story together. And when it's a fighting or training scene, Phil was the lead on that. When it's a relationship or emotional scene, I was the lead. And then we switch back and revise. But everything, every person who reads this book and says, oh, this is the most authentic mixed martial arts shit. That's because Phil knows what he's doing and Alex knows what he's doing. That's I awesome. know enough to get out of the way. And let them do what they do best. Yeah, that's awesome. So what came first for you? Did knowing Emil Griffith's story and wanting to write something and then seeing Creed and going being inspired to go, I need to write this? Or was it, I have an idea with mixed martial arts and then finding out about Emil? No, I knew about Emil Griffith. Uh, I knew about him for a long time. Because his quote, I kill a man and people cheer me, but I love a man and people say that's a sin. That's where the title of the book comes from. Oh, that's awesome. And I knew for a long time, but for a long time, this was a boxing idea. And it wasn't until I started talking to Phil and realizing that we could add another layer and talk about something that is up and coming in, in when it comes to combat sports and mixed yeah. martial arts. That, that, that extra layer was added. So the story had been around in my head probably since 2015, but the like solidifying it into a, an MMA narrative and actually adding that second layer of of the son having to train with the Griffith character. That's all relatively recent. And that, that just comes goosebumps. again from, that's well, a- it's like Phil, we sat down and we're like, how can we make the story as hard as possible? And it's really, it's like Creed. If instead of Rocky, he had to train with Ivan Drago. Right. Like, so you're like, how the fuck did that even work? Right. Right. And that's where, that's where you hypothetically get good story come from. It's not by making things easy for your characters. Man, when you gave the, the first synopsis and you put that twist in, that literally gave me goosebumps. I was like, Oh my God. That's got to be tough. How yeah, ha- I can't even get along with my neighbors, and they have not killed a single person in my family. So. <laughs> How has Aftershock treated you? Aftershock is great. They you sign up with these mid these I should say upper mid tier companies. I'm not going to jerk them off. It's Marvel and DC, and then there's other people. But the point is, like when you set out as a creator, 
The deals are almost all the same, but what has always made Aftershock stand out to me is how decisive they are when it comes to uh, the creative side of a book. They, I've never, honestly, outside of Image where you're your own boss, I've never had a company that is so supportive when it comes to content. To me, and it's so freeing as a creator, yeah, they deliberate a lot about a book during the pitch process, but once they say yes, they're like, we're out of the way, man. We've already decided we're going to do this. And that's when the decision is made. And a lot of companies, that's not how it goes. They make the decision, but then they want to nickel and dime you creatively and things like that. And that's not them. Yeah. When I have a book where I'm like, all right, I, I, I know that we're going to... Look, there's things in Kill a Man that have never been shown in a book before when it comes to both the MMA experience and the queer experience and this, and this gay horror book that's coming up even more so. Oh, I'm and excited. They've never, and they've never flinched. They, you know, once they decide they're on board with something, they're like, yeah do your thing. You're going to make it the best thing possible. And if we didn't believe you could do that, why would we hire you? So it, to me, that's how a creative enterprise should function. And they crush it all the time, not just with me, but stuff. Zach Thompson, Lonnie Chan, tons of books, Zach Kaplan's books. They're fucking, it's a great company from a creative standpoint. And this is not the only thing you're going to see from me and them. I've done Dead Kings with them last year. Nice. There are one, two, I think three, uh, three books, uh, one of which is Kill a Man, and two of which are on un- four books. Sorry, three unannounced books with Aftershock right now. And like, it's because if I have a great idea, they're always my first stop. Because if they say yes, I know I'm going to be able to tell the story exactly the as way I you want. want. That's awesome. Well, Steve, I think we're at a time where you need to get going. I know you're a busy man. And well, we can run, I, I we can run 10 minutes more because we want to do a half hour. So cool. I just didn't, I wanted to be respective of your time. So What's next once you, Killer Man is out, you have your horror story. Can you talk about the horror story yet, or is it something that's... I can tease, I can tease all this stuff. I can't make announcements because nice. that's... Cause so the one thing is I'm doing I'm doing a couple OGNs there. That's one of the reasons I can't make announcements, because yeah. even though we're deep in it, it's probably not going to be until 2021. But I had such a good time, genuinely, in collaboration with Phil Johnson on Killer Man that I brought a couple of their co-written projects to Aftershock, and, and one is this gay horror book, which is inspired by, it's, it, <laughs> it's inspired by Peter Thiel's Madness and also Get Out, so I've been saying it's Gay Get Out starring Peter Thiel, and I'm just, again, super excited for that, co-writing that with Steve Fox, excuse me, who just like Phil is a friend, yeah. and I was like, why don't we, why don't we take our strengths and amplify them exponentially? I, I know what I'm good at, but what, like in the two books we're co-writing together, one is YA Fantasy. And I've never done that before. So, yeah, I'm going to bring everything I do great, which I consider. I'm not going to put myself over too hard, but I consider myself to be uh, an idea person. I like weird books. I'm a, I came up on the Doom Patrol type shit. Nice. Um, I love Doom Patrol. But Fox used to be a young adult editor at Random House. So why would I not? He wants to learn more about writing comics. Why would I not work together with him and make each other better? So we have a Wyatt fantasy coming out. Nice. And then he also is, is of my friend, creative friends, just a huge horror buff. So again, why not take this core idea that I have, bring him in and amplify it as much as possible? Why not give you guys the best possible thing you can? And that means sometimes teaming up with people. So we have the gay horror book. We have a Wyatt fantasy book. And we also have a book that to me is one part Kurt Swan and one part Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, I've teased that that as well online and and that's a mini so I don't know exactly when that's coming out but probably before the others were you a big neon evangelist here's the thing of of late I I actually didn't watch it until it came on Netflix and I'll take the L for that but then I started watching it and I was like this is fucking great but it's me so I was like this is fucking great how can I make it about Superman 
Right. And so, yeah, that's what, I mean, you'll see uh, the conceit of that book probably when solicits come out. But I teased it, actually. I'm working with Patrick Piazza Lunga, who's this Italian artist. One half Dylan Dog, one half Chris Somney. He's a great fucking artist. That's uh, awesome. And so he's involved in that. And those things are all going to be out within the year. But I'm all over the place. I'm doing... Yep. Sounds well, like you're you know. just a jack of all trades when it comes down to writing stories. Well, I'm a jack of all having rent. <laughs> um, well, you chose comics, so it's not like you make a ton of money. <laughs> so you got to keep going. But uh, yeah, no, but also since I decided to go freelance, like I'm doing some small stuff at DC, <laughs> hopefully some more, some small things at Marvel. My book got on hold. I got pandemic blocked, at least of my worries. Um, do you like being freelance or do you, is that going well for you? Does that sit, does that feel good for you? It's, you know, it's. One is not better than the other because I have a lot of great friends that are still on exclusive contract. But I'll say this: it's very different. Probably working, I'm probably working three times as hard as I was at DC. But I'm also one third as stressed, and so I think that's going to come through in the books in a way that's very positive. So, are you, um, do you very much love working creator owned more than licensed? products or do you really love working in that license because i we've met with people who love working okay we had kelly jones on he did a couple creator owned and he loved doing them but he missed the collaboration so much he couldn't wait to get back into dc and marvel stuff simply because of the collaboration well kelly's not wrong i'm not going to sit here but it's different for everybody yeah and I don't think I like one more than the other. When work for hire and license stuff is working, yeah. it's not better or worse. It's just different. Because here's the thing, like, and it doesn't always work. Somebody, there's egos and, and bullshit Game of Thrones politics at play at any at, at, on any license deal. But when it's working, you get a thing like Martian Manhunter or Batman Shadow. And, like, that's license work that feels like creator-owned to me. Like, it's extremely collaborative. At the same time, you're getting to add to this 80-plus, or in the case of the Shadow, probably 90-year-plus now, mosaic story. And that's a huge honor. I'm the lead story in Wonder Woman 750. That will only happen to one person on the planet, me. I'm one in seven billion. Right. So, yeah, I'm not going to... a great I'm way to gonna, think about it, too. Yeah, I'm not going to shade that. I'm incredibly lucky. But at it's the amazing. same time, it's different. When I'm working on a thing like Commanders in Crisis and Image, which is where I'm basically going to be putting all of my non-super, uh, non-Marvel or DC superhero work going forward, I'm my own boss. And it's like, can we do this? And then I just say, yeah, we we can do this. Like, there's no, like, there's no, oh, is it going to anger some other creator? Oh, how's it going to affect things politically? No, I can just fucking do it. Yeah. And like that, that has its own benefits as well, obviously. But again, like, like so as I said, it's, there are highs and lows in each, and I guess that's the answer. Uh, but when we're, when license stuff is clicking, it's also great, and because it's a mouthpiece, and, and and that's something that can basically never be ignored or countermanded or overruled. Like I have characters that I'm going to play with in Commanders in Crisis, where I'm going to get to tell you know the stories. I, to be frank, I couldn't tell at DC because right. DC is a billion dollar company owned by AT and T. Uh, and that's fine. That is not a complaint. That's what goes with the territory when you do work for hire. So I'm going to be pushing it. I've noted I, I have Thunder Woman. That rhymes with a character at DC, <laughs> but it's also fun. That's where I'm going to do my weird story. Yeah. Diana asks up. At the same time, saying something with Wonder Woman will always be louder than saying in a creator-owned book. Yeah. Saying something with Batman will always be louder than saying it in with Knight Watchmen. Or something at 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 uh, good night. Well, I just want to be clear with the pun in that name. I'm aware right. of it. <laughs> I just I'm love it. Of, so, like, 
it it really it, it's just different and there's pluses and minuses to both but i but right now i'm loving it after being work for hire and rightfully so having to answer to yeah. 15 different to the, the own the corporate court of editors hours. executive editors and everything in between um, and it is very freeing. If I want to show someone's dick in my book, like I, I'm, I'm not going to be on bleeding cool. Casarello was. And it's fantastic. <laughs> that was the funniest controversy of all time. I was like, you guys are going to show Batman's wang, and you're not going to, you're not going to assume there's going to be any kind of up. Not, I don't, I don't even want to say it was uproar, just but people making fun of it and or having fun with it. You know what I mean? I mean, making fun of it is weird to me because it's as if these—if it's as if there's a class of people who thought that Batman didn't have a penis. It's right. Not like the, it's, not, it's not like he's the fucking Metatron. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> but, but hell, at least we acknowledge that Batman's Jewish. All right, we did that accidentally. We didn't even realize. <laughs> oh, I love it. I got one last question for you, and then I'll let you go if you don't mind. When you're sitting writing. For and this is a question broadly for any other writer, and maybe you can give him some advice. How to how what is the best way to respect a sexuality, gender, class, and maybe culture? It's a hard question, I understand, but I was hoping maybe you can shed a little light because I know it's hard for some writers that will write about something and then they think they're being super respectful, and then they get a and then Twitter happens. Well, it's actually not a hard question. Uh, oh, awesome. Do the work. If you are in the community, then you have a leg up. But that also isn't a, a blanket excuse. Like, yeah. I'm one bisexual person. I do not know everybody's experience. So the one thing is, do the work. If you're not part of the community, and, and if you're not part of the community that you want to work about or write about or work with, then you got to speak to people and do the research. And for some, that means one-to-one conversations. For some, that means sensitivity readers. There's no one answer. Realize that what we do is a bigger responsibility than you think. We're in these trenches thinking it's just comics, but for someone, that's going to be their first comic and the first time they've seen themselves in that book. So it's enormous. It's not just comics. Yeah. Uh, And so with that responsibility means, yeah, if you are the, the stereotypical straight cis white guy there's nothing wrong with that but you have to do more work than someone from those communities and that's fine because you know what like research is part of our job so do the work respect that these are lived experiences for people like the biggest thing that drives me crazy is there's a class of creators that says oh well i can i can write a woman despite being a man because i can write superman i'm not an alien well go fuck yourself aliens are not real right. uh, <laughs> like and, and, and that's the difference. Realize, to be frank, yeah, realize the difference between aliens and actual things. There is a different way. These are people's real lives. And you should respect that. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't engage it and try to push these stories forward. It just means you have to do the work. And also, don't try to tell these polemics that somehow speak to this macro ur experience. Yeah. Because it doesn't exist. We felt that pressure on Midnighter because it was the first time at Marvel or DC that a book had a gay lead. And there's always that urge, oh, I have to write something that appeals to everyone. Well, that's literally impossible. As we've talked about on this, there's as many, take your pick, there's as many stories from the, the, the black community, from the Latinx community, from the trans community, as there are in the straight community. So there is no one story, and thus it can't be written. And when you try to, all you get is focus grouped vanilla bullshit. So don't do that. Do the research and try to tell stories that are authentic and true about one character, whoever you're talking about, because that's all 
people really need and deserve. They deserve the passion and respect that a real human gets and to be depicted as such. So, yeah, it can be a lot of work, but it's actually a really simple answer, an uncomplex answer. Know that these are real lived experiences and, and show the respect and, and show the passion and drive if you want to tell these stories. It's not as simple as writing about Krypton. Right. That doesn't mean it's not important. And it doesn't mean you should be afraid of it. It just means that you have to know what you're doing. And, and that isn't a controversial statement. No. It's pretty... Cut and dry. Yeah, and at the same time, it applies to most other jobs. Like, being able to do... I don't know. If you're a mechanic, being able to work on a Datsun doesn't mean you can work in every single car without reading a manual. That's right. So, like... So, I don't really think it's controversial. <laughs> That's actually uh, a really good analogy. <laughs> if you work on a Datsun, go, look, go work on a Chevy. It's a lot different. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I don't actually think it's that controversial. I just think you have to realize realize what you're doing. And yeah, after that, yeah, be prepared. There might be some blowback. And here's the thing. If there is, get out of your ass. Because even if people are hurt, they're hurt. Mostly not because of you specifically, I would guess. Again, I can't speak for everyone. But they're hurt because we are answering. Even we as creators. Like me as a creator. Even if I have my whole career and I never fuck up. which I'm going to fuck up. Everybody's going to fuck up. We're still answering for Scott Lobdell's like, transphobic bullshit. Right. We're still answering for everybody that looks like us that has fucked up before. And that sucks, by the way, but that's also the way it is. Right. Well, that's, know, how, we're, we're, that's how society we're, we're learns and grows. We're still answering for the fact that North Star was half fairy for 10 years, or that fucking Freedom Ring was a gay character in Marvel that got died by having a spike shoved up his ass. Oh, I didn't so, know about uh, that one. That's crazy. Not that well thought out. No. And that's, we have to realize that we are, we're not just these islands. And so if someone, if we do fuck up, we have to listen. Our job is to listen. And there's just so much fucking ego in comics. And I, listen, I'm a massive mega mind ego myself. So like <laughs> I, I say this from experience. But when someone has an issue with, well, look, the internet gets fired and they might be saying you're a bad writer. Or they yeah. might just say you're a bad writer. Right. Again, I guess the job wrong. But I think... When I thought in the past, what I'm really saying is that your story was your story, but like you were bad at depicting my experience. And so that's different than just saying you're a shit writer. And so you should listen. And that's how we get better. And again, that seems like a crazy thing to say. But in any other scenario, if you fuck up, you listen and learn. Right. Hypothetically, I realize that does seem like a controversial statement sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it shouldn't be. I, I think you nailed it. Do the work. It's very cut and dry. Don't don't just look over things. <laughs> especially if you especially if you're like you said, if you're a cis white male, you do have to work a little harder on understanding certain aspects. I I definitely I wouldn't understand half the shit that that comes up. I'd be like, "Well, I can understand it from a sociological point, but I can't commiserate with somebody's experience that is completely different than my own." That's why I don't ever question people that with the trans community or when it comes down to race and racism, I, I don't question what people are saying because how can I commiserate? All I can do is listen and then look and use my eyes and my ears to see and hear what people are saying and be like, oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I think me as a whole needs to do better. <laughs> and if I'm going to write about things, 
then I, like you said, I need to do the work to, to make sure that I, that yeah. I represent I mean, it correctly. It's called, it's called have some empathy. And that I realize is yeah. that's a controversial statement in 2020 as, as, but as we can't even manage to put a fucking mask on, which by the way, I say this on all the panels, like wear a fucking mask. If anyone will say to this and like, is, is an idiot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like wear a fucking mask. That's right. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. I, I genuinely can't wrap my head around that. Like, we've Dude, done, It's a we've weird done. fucking thing to stand behind, right? That's your line in the sand, not wearing a mask. Get the fuck out. Are you serious? Well, again, I, I just can't. Like, I'll, like, I'm not even going to get into it further because I'm not going to make this a whole political yeah. thing. But, like, I should say this. Whether you agree politically or not, you should care if your fellow citizens fucking live or die. Get out of your own way. And also, this is a superhero podcast. They all wear fucking masks. So be a cool. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> be cool. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, man. I love talking with you. I hope I can convince you to come back someday because, uh, yeah, this is refreshing. I'm yeah, not even awesome. kidding. It's so been, it's very It's very awesome. I, I love the levity and I just um, I love the honesty and I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be on. Hey. Back. <laughs> well, I was gonna see ha. if you go and, and then you say we're, and I'd be like back. <laughs> well, no, but I just for some reason you time. can't read my mind. I can't. I, I, I and I can't read your body language because I can't see you because we're in different houses. So, so sorry. Weird. What'd you, you think? Webcams on though. What? I said, what'd you think? Oh, what I think? Oh, it was great. I, I was on <laughs> it. I had fun with it. it was, Steve was awesome. <laughs> He was such a cool guy. There's like, a whole section. There's a whole section prior to the interview of pre-talk. Usually I save all the pre-talks, right? Because I have this thought of somewhere down the lines that I'm going to do something with all like the pre-talks and the post-talks, and, like the little stuff that I cut out here and there. Yeah. Like a behind the scenes episode, which I've got so much. I have enough content for an episode of like behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. To do like 20 episodes wow. minimum of hour long shows. Wow. But for this one, there's some stuff we talked about that. I had to force myself not to save because of stuff we can't use, <laughs> but right. it was a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. Steve was, he was really cool, man. And yeah, it was very, awesome. um, just very forefront. You know what I mean? Just like up, yeah. up front. So not forefront, very upfront about everything. And just, yeah. Yeah. Just open, you know, more than I thought because, uh, Steve is a really well-known writer and he's a, and he's really good at his craft. And, I don't know. You see the pictures and he's, he's got a bigger than life personality. So I yes, didn't know what to expect when we were talking to him, but he's just an ordinary bloke, isn't he? He just wants to have a conversation and talk about things. Yeah. He just wants, and he's just, he was such a cool guy to talk to. His, his insights were cool and he was very free with his words, which I appreciated. And it just, it was a lot of fun. I just had a lot of fun on this one. Yeah. It was really cool. Well, I think that's the show. Yeah, that's 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 a show, man. That that's is a show. A show. Uh, if you guys liked what you heard and you want to hear more, I implore you, go out to thespoilerverse.com. Check out our back issues. There is a ton there for you to check out. So much of our show, so much of our other shows on the network, so much of new shows coming out soon, so pay attention for that. Yeah. And uh, articles and previews well, and reviews and all that fun stuff. And we have a store link in the middle. You can go there and pick up a t-shirt or a hoodie or a face mask or anything. Yeah. Anything else we have up there, I can, I can talk, I promise. Um, and while you're wearing that shirt, you look fly as hell, as I like to say. And we get a dollar or two from each sale to help pay the bills here, to help keep the lights on. It's a little way to 
to help us, uh, you know, keep this going because, you know, we have a lot of fun doing this and we're going to do it forever no matter what, but the help is always nice. That's right. One thing, though, is we have a really special thing coming out. We're, well, let's yeah, say we we're hoping, fingers crossed, that something very special comes out this week. And if all, oh, the, yeah. nego- all the negotiations and everything and all the little things get worked out, um, this is going to be the, one of the biggest things that ever happened to our our little website and podcast that could. And yes, so we're super be excited. Awesome. I can't wait to be able to share it with you guys. Uh, one thing we can't talk about because we've already announced it. If you're if if you're a smart listener and you love yeah. what you're hearing coming out of the spoilerverse, then you've already listened to Misery Point Radio's uh, interview of Johnny and myself. Yeah. And we talked about the great Andrew Sumner coming on to the spoilerverse, coming on to Spoiler Country, starting his own podcast in the spoilerverse called Hard Agree. Folks, when I tell you Andrew knows everybody, he knows a lot of people. And when he can, uh, and when I tell you somebody can spin a yarn, he can spin that yarn like nobody's business. So it's going to be an amazing show and a lot of fun to listen to. And I can't wait for it to come out. And we're shooting for early 2021. Yeah, yeah. And if you go back to our back catalog, you'll find several episodes where he comes on and talks to us about stuff. But there's so much new stuff of Summer coming out in Hard Degree with uh, more conversations with the three of us, interviews that Summer's going to do with industry leaders and people that he thinks are just interesting, which is going to be fun all around. Yep. And I'm excited to see where the show goes. And and there's a Christmas special being in the works, too, which is going to be pretty dope. Yeah, it's going to be pretty dope. All right, guys. Don't forget. Notions of podcasts. We are Cthulhu. Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind. Read more. <laughs>